Hi, everyone. Welcome to Tent Talks Podcast. This is your host, Stacy Nelson, and we've got Kimberly Memmott on sound editing and production. Today, I want to talk about something that's very near and dear to my heart. And I think it's part of the human experience. And my hope for this podcast episode is that after listening to this, you find ways in which this is relatable to you. Because sometimes information is presented to us and our immediate response is to build up this barrier of defense by saying, that is not my experience at all. Or I can't even imagine if that were to happen to me. Or I am so grateful that wasn't my experience. There's a lot of different ways people share that sentiment. But what it is, is it's creating a barrier. And it's othering people. And it's keeping you separate from that, which means you don't have to examine it for your personal reflection or connection with other people, being relatable, understanding, having compassion. So the topic is cults. And I want to share with you the cults that I've been involved in and some resources that have helped me figure out how to separate myself from that mentality. First of all, I think being a part of a cult is a human experience. I I honestly do. I think there are so many things that we attach onto because we want to feel like we're part of something bigger than ourselves. And if there's language that entices us like exclusivity or specialness of some kind, then we really like that and we'll gravitate toward that. Like this is exclusive knowledge or we're part of these elite humans that are part of this mission and we're bringing forth information or tools or, you know, something that feels almost like saviorism, but could also feel like there's an exclusivity part of it. Like I have this information and therefore it separates me from other people or it's my job to spread this message. Some of that is language that cults use to lead or to guide people in is is because they know that that's enticing to humans. So I just made sort of a little list of what helped me First of all, educate myself on what cult language is like, cult dynamics, cult behavior. And then from there, figuring out what cults I've been a part of, because I've been a part of many. And I'm I'm embarrassed about it, of course, like obviously <laughs> it's not something that I celebrate in myself, but I know that I'm susceptible to it. And I know that like other humans, It's something that I've participated in, and it's my hope to spread awareness so that the next time you find yourself or I find myself in a cult that I can recognize it and be aware of my participation if I choose to participate in it or most likely decide to choose something else that's not a cult. (laughs) So first of all, I've talked about this book before on the podcast. It's called Cultish, and it's by Amanda Montel. And she says that cults start with cult language, that there's a language that's enticing to people. And so just like English or Spanish or whatever, cultish 
is a language, and people can recognize it by the words being used. And in her book, she has done so much research, and she she is a researcher. She's extremely brilliant, and she identifies a lot of languaging that hooks people. And sometimes it it is that like elitism, exclusive knowledge stuff. But sometimes it really attacks people from a different angle, like their motivation. Like I remember in different sales jobs, it's just a numbers game. You just have to go through the numbers or it's a formula. If you follow this template exactly, if you follow the script exactly, it will work. And if it fails, it's because you didn't try hard enough or you didn't hit the right numbers or somehow you're failing because it's formulaic. And that was really tricky with some of my early jobs in sales. And it was also tricky with a lot of religious things or fitness is another area where that's really tricky. It's like, we're giving you this formula, this secret equation. And if it doesn't work for you, it's your fault. Because this is like foolproof. And that's problematic. And I didn't know that. I guess when you start living in more gray territory instead of black and white, and I like saying even technicolor or the rainbow spectrum or something else, because you're not just given two options like this or this. It's like there's a lot of variables that come into play all the time and different dynamics with people. And when we don't take into account those things, and we just make it an either or, it's really exclusive. But a lot of people get connected in that because of just the languaging matches black and white thinking. And that all or nothing mentality really hooks people. And so Amanda Montel, she really goes through that in her book and describes what language to be aware of. And just hearing somebody explain the language is so helpful because I think as human beings, it's all of our jobs to figure out places where people could hook us or manipulate us or try to put their narrative on top of us. And it's our job as individuals to figure out what are my gaps, what are my holes here, and to name them to yourself and be very familiar with them. So if somebody else has been clever enough to tap into you and figure out where some of those personal pain points are that you can meet them and and be aware of that and protect yourself and also love those parts of yourself so that it's not such a vulnerability within you and vulnerability in the sense of like something that could be exploited. So I cannot recommend enough the book Cultish by Amanda Montel. My therapist tells me often that like when I've been deconstructing Mormonism, because that's the second aspect that I want to talk about is this, like I was born into a cult. And that's kind of why it's important for me to study cults is because I need to understand the languaging and the manipulation and the oppression. And 
I was born into Mormonism, and I consider that a cult because I put it through the cult tests. And every time I realize, oh, yeah, that is what cult language is. Okay, that's how a cult acts. Okay, this is reinforcing this black and white narrative, this heaven and hell narrative, this good, bad, exploiting people for their time and resources and money controlling bodies, you know, things like that. So it it very much falls under that. But my therapist is always telling me how, okay, you're lucky that you were born into a cult. Check that off the list. Some people are born into it. Some people find it later. But she just acts as if it's a, a very normal part of the human experience. And that's kind of what I love about learning about cults is that we find that Sometimes they're really silly and sometimes they're really serious and they really denigrate. They find their way into the depths of your soul and manipulate you on a really deep level. And that would be my experience within Mormonism. It took the most special parts of myself and exploited it, this sensitivity that I have. And it was exploited and... It's really hard to explain all of the small details of that and how it affects my life every single day and how I have to still navigate that. But one of the most influential podcasts that I listened to explaining Mormonism from a really non-biased point of view, it was just people laying down information. They were just genuinely curious about the beginnings of Mormonism. Because one really cool thing about Mormonism is that it was established very recently in relationship to like lots of other religions. It's an American religion. We know the origins, like there's a lot of record keeping and there's a lot of information because the printing press was available during that time. And so there's a lot of record that has been made. And so there's not a lot of guessing games with information. Like there is just information that has carried through that we can study in this lifetime because it's a relatively new religion. And so the podcast that I listened to that would really help me understand the cult dynamics of Mormonism was the last podcast on the left did this great, it was a multi-part series. I mean, we're talking several, several hours of content, but they really explained the origins and the history part of Mormonism to me. And then I was able to fill in the gaps of my own lived experience of how that's still affecting and just kind of understanding policy changes and how things have shifted and changed. Even in my lifetime, I've noticed a big shift. But it was interesting to hear really non-biased information from other people or just going off of a fascination or an interest in, in this religion. And for me, Mormonism, that's the filter through which my brain was developed and my subconscious was filled with this information. And that is why I believe that I've been really susceptible to colds throughout my lifetime is because I was raised on that. It's multi-generational through my bloodlines of this kind of thinking. And so to actually leave Mormonism and then to further deconstruct cult-like thinking and this kind of mentality, it's been actually, it feels like doing something so big and massive that it's 
so hard to explain because it feels generational and it feels bigger than me in my lifetime. And it feels like the biggest gift that I could offer both my ancestors and then the future generations, because it's like, if we can break that pattern of thinking and getting this trap and this hook, then maybe perhaps we can become more loving and passing on less trauma in my family lineage and my family line. So if you were raised Mormon, and if you're open to hearing tons of really condensed, like hours and hours upon history, and really just in a fun, funny way that's being presented, I would recommend the last podcast on the left, their interpretation, presenting the information and history of Mormonism. That made a lot of sense to me. The other thing that I really loved about deconstructing cult-like thinking is the podcast, The Dream. And season one talks about multi-level marketing. And if you live in Utah, you know of probably off the top of your head, five to 10 multi-level marketing companies. I grew up right next to Young Living. There's some farms in Mona, Utah. And that was one of my first jobs was I got a summer job there. And so I got involved as a teenager working for Young Living. And I stayed with them through adulthood because I later did massage at a lot of their conventions or their exclusive conventions for their top sellers in their company. And I got really hooked into multi-level marketing in a very adjacent way. I didn't ever succeed in selling it or making it big because I don't like the feeling of being sold. So I I never really followed their formulaic <laughs> templates of how to become a top distributor and make it to the gold diamond status or, you know, what they have these tiers of income brackets and selling. But what I loved about the Dream podcast is she talks about the history of multi-level marketing. And it started with like, of course, door-to-door salesmen. That job kind of dissolved. And then from there, women kind of took over and they used their networks and their networks were exploited because we know that women will pretty much do anything. They'll exploit their network to try to stay home with their kids and bring in an income. And especially if they don't really have any financial freedom in their relationship, they're going to do whatever it takes to get a little spending cash. So she talks about multi-level marketing in the perspective of the exploitation of women, and that has never felt more true. And she goes through a bunch of them, like the Tupperware and Avon. And I got into Arbonne for a while. It was a makeup company. And that was part of my green wellness crossover of like trying to have really clean beauty products. There's always this hook, right? And my hook was, oh, like a lot of products that are made in the US with makeup have a lot of risky chemicals that other countries just aren't using because of really bad ingredients that lead to cancer or that have been shown to cause cancer. And other countries just aren't using those chemicals. But because in the US, 
the makeup industry is unregulated, I better seek out a multi-level marketing international company. That's the tricky thing about multi-level marketing is you're sold on the quality of the product. And if it really aligns with some of your personal values or belief systems about products and ingredients and regulation, then you can really get sold on that. But the thing about multi-level marketing is that it's unpaid labor. It's exploiting women's friendships. Because if there's something that I know to be true with my friends, if they recommend something and they say that they like it, very likely I'm going to buy the product, I'm going to try the product, I'm going to read the book, I'm going to spend the time listening to the podcast or whatever, because my friends help inform me and we share resources that have helped us. And it's kind of like the ultimate female code, like let's teach each other the rules of society or how to get ahead or let's give each other a lot of hand ups helping hands because the society wasn't created for us to thrive in. And so when somebody gives us advice of something that has been really helpful or supportive, we want to trust that and we want to help and we want to get that help that has helped them. And so we'll more than likely take that advice. And that's the really devastating thing about multi-level marketing companies is that there are just so many talented women that they're caught in some lie and they're using their trusted networks and they're using all of this time and energy to sell these products or this idea or this dream. And it's really just creating a lot of division in relationships. Most people in multi-level marketing pyramid schemes, they're not making any money. And it is just this model where the top few, the people at the top of the pyramid are making all the money. And then there's all these people beneath who are working, 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 working so hard, and they're not getting any revenue back. They're just spending money. They're just putting their own money, putting their own networks into this thing that's not even coming back to them. And when it comes time for having like a motivational conference, it's like, well, you're not doing it right. You're not getting enough numbers. You're not buying the latest products. You're not on top of it. You've got to stay fresh. You've got to stay this. You've got to do that. And just hearing it from the point of view and so well-researched in the dream, it just it educated me so much because I feel like multi-level marketing has now kind of switched to coaching and coaching programs. There's always going to be a way for this model to thrive because enough people have been hooked onto this cultish language in the multi-level marketing model. And it's this hook of promise of money or a numbers game or, you know, whatever it is. And we know that capitalism isn't working, but we also for sure know that pyramid schemes aren't working. And so I think a lot of people fall prey to MLMs because capitalism just doesn't value women and women talents and women's time and parenthood and raising children in a community. And so a lot of women fall prey to this because they can squeeze in 
you know, a network meeting with a friend in between childcare and soccer practice and piano lessons. Anyway, I see a lot of that in Utah. There's hundreds probably of MLM businesses, and some of them are very successful. And some of them are startups and people are trying so hard to recreate this model because it's for the people at the top. They're making a lot of money. Anyway, I've definitely fallen into several, <laughs> several multi-level marketing schemes. The other thing that I found upon leaving Mormonism and deconstructing that as a cult is I found other spiritual practices that had that cult language. It was very similar. So I watched the documentary Bikram about um, Bikram yoga and then wild, wild country. And it's kind of this overlap of meditation and yoga and the wellness industry. And it turns out it's the same cult dynamic, but it hit at such a level of like thought training or training your mind or, you know, when you're vulnerable in spiritual spaces, you're very malleable because you're opening yourself up to something. And when you're in a a yoga class or a yoga training or a spiritual movement, you're opening yourself up to this higher vibration or this experience. And there's group dynamics and there's emotional manipulation at play. And when I was watching both of those documentaries, I was like, oh, I can definitely see why I felt so drawn to spiritualism, spirituality, and the yoga community, because it was, it's like that pipeline out of a cult into another cult, into another cult, into another cult. And this was really hitting that part that I had missed from religion, which was that connection to a higher source. And I found it to be just another way for people to manipulate and exploit mostly women. I mean, how many women do we know that are in a yoga teacher training program, making money, changing the origins of it to match some narrative that they have? It gets really sticky because it's beautiful in practice and in origins. And there's so much of it that hits this level of truth. I mean, there's nothing more true than breathing and connecting with yourself and so how does that turn into this exploitive multi-billion dollar industry? You know, it's such a mind fuck. And then the last thing that I want to talk about is this new documentary on Amazon Prime. It's called Happy Shiny People. And it follows the Duggar family who they had their own show on TLC, 19 Kids and Counting, but they kept changing it as they got more kids. So it was like 17 Kids and Counting, 18 Kids and Counting. And I think they ended up at 19 Kids and Counting, but that was a TLC show. And the documentary, which is based off of that family, but also something bigger, is called Happy Shiny People. And it talks about homeschool curriculums. And how there was this third party company that was providing curriculums for homeschool children. And it was this big umbrella for exploitation, teaching a lot of hyper Christian fundamentalist narrative 
and a cover-up for sexual abuse and exploitation. Of course, women doing all the work and the labor and children being coerced into doing like childcare, like the oldest daughter, like doing all this childcare and work in the home. And that's how like you're able to have so many children. And I think the point of like this, Utah is one of the highest states for like homeschoolers. We have tons of homeschoolers. And so if you decide to watch this documentary and you aren't homeschooled, the point of this is not to create separation. Again, it's to say, wow, there's a lot of members of my community that are being homeschooled who probably had this curriculum. And this has probably shaped and found its way just with Mormon language or just with like Utah language that has shifted and influenced my life. And I think that's the point of the documentary to me. But as part of this larger narrative, my experience of being a part of all these cults has been that my time, my talents, even the space in my mind, how I think and how I move through the world has been influenced and shaped by someone else's narrative. And it plays out long after you've left. And that's where deconstruction comes because you you have to figure out these things. And so I know where I've been exploited on some of these things, but I still have so much more research to do. And there's still these pain points within me, but I've figured out a lot of cult-like dynamics that are also happening around me and surrounding me. So it's like from all these different angles, it's absolutely obvious of why I fell prey to many of these things, because they're all over me. Utah is just the state for multi-level marketing, for homeschool curriculum, for like the yoga industry to thrive. For a lot of these things, there's so much overlap. And I guess maybe a challenge or maybe a fun experience would be to just explore your own timeline of things that you've been really interested in and maybe where some of that pull and the thing that gravitated to you and kept you there, find out where that came from and maybe why. I mean, another quick just off the cuff in closing was like a lot of veganism. I did the 80-10-10 for a while and I went to a retreat and I I spent a bunch of money and time trying to prepare all these meals that were basically just eating fruit. And I did that for a long time. And then it took me a long time to get out of it because my narrative around food and food consumption was so riddled with diet culture, which is another way that people get exploited as their bodies. Anyway, I hope that this episode calls attention to some of the ways or the programs or the organizations that are actually cults that you're a part of and giving yourself some time to figure out what the hook was, where you got caught up on, and providing resources to also listen or read or watch cult dynamics at play so you can see examples and figure it out for yourself because it's a journey and it takes a long time. And I think it'll probably be something that I'll navigate the rest of my life because I was born into a cult. And so that's just something that's shaped my brain. And it's going to take a long time to figure that out of how to avoid cults. 
But it's also kind of fun and silly sometimes, and it doesn't always have to be really serious. Sometimes it's just like a cool fitness program, but for some people it can be, you know, deadly. And maybe for you, it was just a cool club you were joining and, um, you know, you had the money to put into it. It wasn't exploiting you at the same level. Maybe it was exploiting somebody else. So there's a lot of variation too about the level that you've committed yourself to. So it's kind of a fun journey and I hope that you take it. And as always, I really appreciate you joining in to the conversation and thank you for your support. Please feel free to like and share, subscribe, and we'll see you next week on 10 Talks.